Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we follow the favorite son of Israel. Joseph is the favorite, who becomes a slave, then a manager, then a prisoner, before finally coming to manage the whole government of Egypt. You're listening to Prism Bible. Jacob and Esau had many years of struggle between them. Even more so, Jacob himself struggled for his life to gain blessing. Yet as a gift from God, this struggler finally became the recipient of blessing and a conduit for blessing to the whole world through the Abrahamic covenant. Jacob has been renamed to Israel, and the biblical nation is born as the descendants of Israel multiply. This multiplication all starts with Israel's sons. Jacob, now Israel, has 12 sons by four different women. His two official wives essentially have a competition among themselves that draws in two other women as well. So four women end up bearing 12 male children to Israel with daughters as well. We're going to zero in on a particular son of Israel, the favorite son, whose name is Joseph. He's the first son of Israel's favorite wife, And Israel, though blessed by God, still has unfortunate tendencies, and playing favorites among his sons leads to grave consequences. The story continues. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age, so he made him a robe of many colors. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to Joseph. Israel's favoritism toward Joseph was not taken kindly by his other sons, and in their jealousy they hate Joseph for it. But there's more. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to mine. Do you intend to reign over us? His brothers asked. Will you actually rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and his statements. Now within just a few sentences, we read that the brothers hated him, hated him even more and hated him even more, as he dreamed about ruling over them. We know that this can't end well. In the course of time, Joseph is sent to seek his brothers, pasturing their flocks away from Israel's home. Now Joseph's brothers saw him in the distance, and before he arrived, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to one another. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal has devoured him. Then we shall see what becomes of his dreams. Despite big talk, these brothers actually refrain from killing Joseph after conferring with one another, and they decide to sell him as a slave to some traders who are passing by. They take his robe and return it to Israel, as they say that a vicious animal has devoured their brother. Israel is distraught at the apparent death of his son. Favoritism has culminated in the loss of the favorite. Joseph is assumed dead by his father, and the brothers are free of the favorite son. 
Meanwhile, Joseph is sold as a slave into the house of an official in the Egyptian government, far away from the land of Egypt. After aiding in the success of this official and being elevated to manage his whole household, Joseph is then suddenly and falsely accused of trying to take advantage of the official's wife. In a swift reversal of circumstances, Joseph goes from being house manager to disadvantaged prisoner. Yet through all this, God is with Joseph. Even being in prison, God allows Joseph to have authority and trust from the prison warden. God even gives Joseph the ability to interpret dreams of others, an ability that becomes a theme in the Joseph story. In the course of time, Joseph successfully interprets the dreams of some prisoners, and as more time passes, we see the Egyptian pharaoh king have a dream. The pharaoh searches far and wide for the meaning of this perplexing dream, and finally he brings the prisoner Joseph before him. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I myself cannot do it, Joseph replied, but God will give Pharaoh a sound answer. So Pharaoh proceeded to tell Joseph his dream, and Joseph replies like this, It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, since the famine that follows it will be so severe. Further, Joseph advises Pharaoh on the right course of action given the coming events. Now, therefore, Pharaoh should look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action and appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Under the authority of Pharaoh, let them collect all the excess food from these good years, that they may come and lay up the grain to be preserved as food in the cities. This food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine to come upon the land of Egypt. Then the country will not perish in the famine. You can imagine Pharaoh's amazement at this interpretation, because he soon decides that the best man for the job of managing these years of plenty and famine is Joseph himself. Pharaoh surmises that the one who is proven to be used by God to interpret his dreams can also be used to manage the coming events in Egypt. Pharaoh quickly makes Joseph second in command over Egypt, only answerable to Pharaoh himself. Quite a remarkable reversal of status yet again. Joseph was house manager and then prisoner, and now he's gone from prisoner to essentially prime minister. All with God's help. Hope is never lost when God is involved. Joseph quickly gets to work as the years of plenty begin. As a leader in Egypt, he instructs extra produce to be brought and stored by the government in preparation for the seven years of famine. And after preparing through the seven years of plenty, the famine finally comes. It's so bad that it encompasses the whole of the Near East, including the land of Canaan, where Israel and his remaining eleven sons reside. So the sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, since the famine had also spread into the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was ruler of the land, and he was the one who sold grain to all its people. So when his brothers arrived, they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. And when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them as strangers and spoke harshly to them. 
Where have you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We are here to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said, You are spies. You have come to see if our land is vulnerable. Not so, my lord, they replied. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. Joseph appears to have an opportunity for revenge, and in some ways he takes it. He certainly causes his brothers distress and grief, and while he eventually sends them on their own way with grain, they surmise that they are being punished by God for what they'd done to Joseph many years before. They just don't know that it's Joseph behind it. Joseph sends them on their way with grain, but he does require two things of them. One, that they leave one brother behind. And two, that when they return to seek more grain, they bring back their youngest brother, Benjamin. Benjamin was Joseph's only brother with the same mother, and Joseph secretly wanted to see his younger brother. Further, he hoped to eventually see his father again. Well, the brothers make it back to Canaan, but they soon run out of food again, and they tell their father that they must bring young Benjamin with them again this time, or the Egyptian leader won't give them any more food. Israel is desperate for food and forced to part with his final son by his favorite wife. After much pleading from his other sons, Israel finally allows Benjamin to return to Egypt with the brothers. So the brothers all journey back to Joseph and plead for more food, which Joseph grants. But this time Joseph has a new scheme. Secretly, Joseph has a steward hide a silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And only then does Joseph see them off as the brothers depart for Canaan. It's early the next day that Joseph sends his steward after the brothers, demanding that each brother open his sack to show that they don't have the stolen silver cup. You can imagine how distraught the brothers are to learn that Benjamin has Joseph's silver cup in his bag. The new favorite son, who they promised to return to their father, was now a criminal in the eyes of Egypt. Soon one of the brothers tries to reason with Joseph that he might perhaps throw himself into slavery to allow Benjamin to return to his father. This brother is trying his best to find some way to return Benjamin, even at the cost of his own freedom. And he especially doesn't want elderly Israel to die in distress at the loss of another son. Joseph is listening to this earnest plea, and emotions in the scene reach a new height. Joseph just can't hold it in any longer. And he cried out to his attendants, Send everyone away from me. So none of them were with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household soon heard of it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But they were unable to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. You can imagine how shocked and frightened of Joseph his brothers must have been. They sold him into slavery after all. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they did so. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves that you sold me into this place, because it was to save lives that God sent me before you. For the famine has covered the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve you as a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, 
but God, who has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now return quickly to my father and tell him, This is what your son Joseph says, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. And so in the coming days, we see the reuniting of Israel with Joseph as all the people of Israel, the Israelites, now move to Egypt. The story essentially ends with perhaps one of the most famous statements in the book of Genesis. Reflecting on his brother's actions many years prior, Joseph says this to his brothers. As for you, what you intended against me for evil, God intended for good, in order to accomplish a day like this, to preserve the lives of many people. Joseph's life was in the hands of God, the one with the master plan, the true king of the world, who used the evil plans of the brothers to accomplish the salvation of the Israelites and the Egyptians, saving them all from starvation. Join us next time as we review the story so far, before we fast forward 400 years. Israel is in Egypt, not as friends of Pharaoh, but as slaves of the empire. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, We have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.